All right, folks, welcome to the Drop Zone. Dylan DeChair here. I have remembered to press record this time through so we can talk about Rory McIlroy's victory. You have reduced me to laughter. Usually I bring in the podcast, but I'm not this week because I can't stop laughing because you didn't press record and we just wasted a half an hour worth of podcast gold. You know what we've done, though, Sean? We've <laughs> dialed in our takes, and we are here together in person in the same room for the first time in a few weeks, and you can just tell already the chemistry is crackling. I hope that comes through the audio. <laughs> Rory wins. Rory McIlroy wins the Wells Fargo Championship for the third time in his career. He wins by one. Uh, he kind of cruised, I think, is a somewhat fair way of describing what he did. He did not make a bogey until the 18th hole despite things getting a little hairy there. Uh, and that was not a pun for his caddy's hairy. first name. Um, things did get a little hairy. We'll get to that in a few. <laughs> uh, it's his first win since November of 2019. He is back in the world top 10. This feels like a big deal. I wrote big in all capital letters in my notes because I think it's a huge deal. Why is it a huge deal, Sean? Well, mainly because... Like I said, he's back in the top 10. He is better. The golf world is better with Rory in the top 10. No question. And I don't like saying that. Like, I hate when people say, oh, college basketball is better when Syracuse is a good team or college basketball is better or college football is great when USC or Notre Dame are involved. Like, I hate sure. that. We don't need those excuses. The NBA is better when the Knicks are good. Yeah. The that, Knicks haven't been good in my lifetime. Yeah. And so, unfortunately, I think that is true about Rory. He is uh, – pound for pound, and regardless of his weight, probably one of the two best golfers on the planet. I think him and DJ are the, the true toss-up when it comes to those guys playing their best golf. So, of course, it's better to have him playing his best golf, but really, it just, it brings, like today brought me back to like inevitability when he was inevitably winning tournaments in 2014 and I don't want to draw like a super strong comparison to like his best golf of his life but when it was him against Keith Mitchell and Gary Woodland and Victor Hovland it was like what are these guys gonna beat Rory you know like Rory should beat these dudes and he did which is not something we've seen him do in a really long time at least on eastern time when you know, it was he wasn't winning the WGC in China. I don't know if I like you shading my man Abe Answer and Victor Hovland there, but he got pushed today, but he was just so good. I mean, you you think about guys that are great as front runners. Obviously, Tiger is the most famous example of that. Rory has traditionally been better as a chaser. Yeah. Today he was both. He started off as a chaser, then he got into the lead, and once he got into the lead. It was almost no like he just back. settled into into cruise control, and I don't mean that 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 it was just easy. No steps it's back. It's just that he hit every shot exactly where he needed to. Yeah. No, no steps back. No no bogeys until the 18th. Like, I mean, what? he he did not birdie the the par five tenth all week, so that's yeah. that's not even like that big of an issue. That's not necessarily a, a super easy hole. But it was no double bogeys on his card. He only made one double all week long. He made, what, one, two, three, four, five, six bogeys all week long. On a course that everyone was making bogeys at, like there are all kinds of screw-ups on what is a very difficult golf course in terms of PGA Tour standards. So, yeah, this felt like cruise control Rory. And I, I 
I gotta be honest. Like I don't think we've seen cruise control victory Rory in longer than 18 months. I think cruise control victory Rory last time we saw that was maybe late 2018. I think that's why I think it's a big deal. Yeah. Is because Rory seems to think it was a big deal. That was one of the discussion points right after the round, right after this win is okay. This is not a Jordan Spieth situation where our guy dropped outside the, you know, top 50 and was starting to not qualify for events. Yeah, What did he drop down to 13? Maybe 13. Yeah. He was right <laughs> around Tony Finau status. Wow. He won 18 months ago, 18 months and six days to be exact. So this was not Rory back from the dead, but Rory himself has been talking about, you know, he's having trouble staying engaged. He doesn't feel quite right. He's frustrated. And then he said right after his win that it feels like a long time since he last won. I think it was maybe 27 starts between his wins. So, I mean, that's not exactly a a mega drought. Um, But it's significant when you consider that, yes, he's one of the most talented golfers in the world. He's arguably the greatest golfer of this generation, um, the post-Tiger generation. Yeah. And what Rory said is that this feels sustainable essentially Mm -hmm. that he has a couple simple swing thoughts partly that he got from pete cowan who he's been working more with and those swing thoughts are going to help him under pressure because they are repeatable they're sustainable what are the swing thoughts though well we don't know that that's that's part of the secret sauce (laughs) he didn't exactly say you know oh i'm tucking my right elbow way back but what he did essentially say is when he was world number one when he had just been PGA tour player of the year, when he was finishing in the top 10 every single week, he felt like he was playing well when the pressure was off. But then once the pressure was on, he was fading. And now he feels like his game is not even completely there. Yeah. But that once the pressure is on, he can really dial it in because he has simplified things. I thought that was really interesting. So, yeah. So if he says sustainable, when I think of sustainable Rory, I think of the guy who did, whatever he did in like early 2019. And I think even early 2018 where it's like four or five straight top fives. Mm -hmm. He wasn't really like punching through and winning every week, Yeah, but he was not finishing outside the top 20. And he was very often not finishing outside the top 10 knocking on the door every single week. That's how great peak Rory can be. Um, I was, I was honestly thrilled by his second round and yeah, that was Mm. the best round he shot all week, but the point really was that when you look at Rory's statistics, he was he will always be a great driver of the golf ball. If there's any point that he's a bad driver of the ball, it'll be because he's like 47 years old and missing fairways. Mm-hmm. But he's he probably won't play that long. The shot at <laughs> Phil Mickelson there. Yeah. Uh, but so so he was 18th this week in strokes gained off the tee, but he was 10th in strokes gained approaching the green, and he was first. On Thursday, he hit 15, or on Friday, he hit 15 greens. He hit it tight. He gained four strokes just in his approaches, and that reminds me of the best Rory because when he gets going, like, the putter is going to be fine, the short game is going to be fine, but he's dialed in off the tee and he's dialed in into the greens, and that's why he he becomes a really tough dude to beat. Yeah, I think it was his best round tee to green since 2019, so... You know, we talk about busting this little mini slump. He sure did it. That was a yeah. throwback round. Of course, it was it was bolstered by the fact that he got the 
favorable end of the draw. This was a really biased draw week. Yep. So what Rory was sort of saying everything came together. That was a big part of it. He went late early, which was definitely the uh, the right side of the draw to be on. I was encouraged by especially his tee shot on 17. I know I already mentioned that, but he himself said that was the best shot that he hit all week. Um, just a perfect little baby draw on Sunday that never got you know within 20 feet of the the pin but finished exactly at 20 feet basically yeah that's but that's a cruise control shot right you know you have the lead you have mm-hmm. a multiple stroke lead we don't need to flirt with yeah. that water we don't even you know it's just hit that baby draw 20 feet right of the hole people talk about aggressive swings at conservative targets and that is the perfect example of that really everything that he did coming home besides that swing on 18 off the tee. So So what I am struggling with now is like, was this surprising or is Rory's inevitability, like he's just that good of a golfer? Does that take away some of the surprise effect? Because I do believe he was of the four or five people who are that good will always Mm -hmm. eventually break a slump. So I'm not that surprised. And he also had... The new coach, Pete Cowan, like we knew he was going to eventually win. Or is it surprising because he had reached these depths we haven't really seen him reach, you know, yeah. the, the back-to-back like missed cuts and big events? Um, that's what I'm kind of struggling with because he seems like he was in some kind of weird place that I had never seen him yeah. get to. So I think it's happened faster than we thought it would. I think that's one big thing, but all right, here's a way to think about that question. Is he, and should he be the favorite for the PGA championship? Is he now instantly back at the yeah. top of that? Yeah, he is. And I don't love that because <laughs> I don't think in recent memory, Rory has performed well as the far and away favorite. Um, I'd like to believe he doesn't give a damn, but this is Rory. He kind of does give a damn about a lot of things. Even if he says he's trying his best not to, things tend to kind of get to him eventually. Um, DJ cannot be the favorite. He has not played well wow. lately. Can't be the favorite? No, he has not played that well lately. Justin Thomas, playing really great tee to green, mm-hmm. cannot putt. Jordan Spieth, he might be second or third favorite. Wow. Bryson, playing pretty well. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He'll Mental do game it. seems a little off. Yeah, what is he going to do at Kiowa? <laughs> Hopefully um, he'll, he'll stay in town for the whole weekend. I mean, Morikawa hasn't done a whole lot super recently. So, like, I don't know who else you point to. A lot of, lot of recency bias there, but mm-hmm. no one has better vibes than, uh, than Roars. I think the only downside to Rory winning this week is now expectations. I mean, the power of expectations. You get asked different questions. The whole vibe is different. I'm sure he has different expectations now for himself. Um, he played with a real freedom this week. And I, I've noticed it seems to happen fairly often that we get winners with these little stories of things that have, you know, made them take the pressure off themselves. Like Stuart Sink putting his son on the bag yep. and then immediately winning the Safeway Open, say. Or, you know, Matt Kuchar's the most famous Matt Kuchar is the most famous example, but we've seen a number of guys win with fill-in caddies for the week. Yeah. <laughs> um, just something that kind of resets you. 
for Rory this week. I wish Martin was, Trainer won with his filling caddies. He did. Well, just not us. Yeah, not us. <laughs> one with a different filling caddy. Um, this week for Rory, he said he was finishing up a range session. Here's exactly what he said. He said I had I had finished a really good practice session on the range. I hit a three iron, flushed it, and I turned back to talk to Harry. As I turned, my left side of my neck just completely locked up, and I couldn't move it. It was really, really strange. So Rory almost withdrew. Literally, he That's said wild. if he had had to play that same, like right after that range session, he just would not have played. If he had had to play Thursday morning, he might have still WD'd. Instead, he got a bunch of treatment. He iced his neck. You know, he said Why it's is no he whipping around to talk he, to Harry? Yeah, what's Harry's? Maybe Harry told a really good joke or something. <laughs> He said it's no coincidence that he just turned 32. So dude. hopefully Rory is not getting old and brittle on us yeah, just as yeah, he's making dude. his comeback. He's not that much older but than But I thought are. it was interesting that there, his expectations dropped and maybe that helped him play better. Maybe it's completely unrelated. Maybe because he's a member at Quill Hollow, has played there well in the past, has a little freedom, turned 32, has first, other things to care about. That's the first time he's won an event three times, which is interesting. Well, yeah, it's just it's tough to do. How many people win three win an event three times? I don't know, but Tiger's won multiple <laughs> events like seven times. I Tiger, know. when it comes down to it, only won like four events. He just won them like <laughs> fifteen times each. Uh, let's talk about Harry Diamond. I would love to. I would love to talk about Harry Diamond because Go off about my king, Rory himself said this was their best win together. Um, and why was that? I think it was essentially because. On the 18th hole, the 72nd hole, when Rory was in a bind, Harry stepped in. Here's what Rory said. Harry was awesome out there today, especially that decision on the last. I was ready to get in there and try to play that with a lob wedge. He was in a really awkward stance in the penalty area. And he was sort of like, let's take a step back. Let's think about this. Where's the best place you're hitting your third from? He sort of calmed me down, slowed me down, and said, pal, let's just think about this a little bit. And I know if someone calls you pal, that means, and you don't take offense to it, that means that you're on pretty good terms. So that was a big moment. I'm not sure when Harry first gets on the bag, you know, in 2017, when, when Rory's just picking his best mate to get on the bag with him, that he's going to step in physically between Rory and the hole and, yeah. and really say like, okay, maybe don't hit this shot. Yeah. Credit I, to him. Yeah. Uh, there's probably only a couple people in the world that could ever talk Rory off of some train of thought. Mm -hmm. And that would be maybe his father and his, his best mate. And, and that has to work caddy. both ways too, right? He has to build up the trust with Rory where Rory can listen and not just say, well, dude, get out of the way. I'm, yeah, I'm the best. And player. perhaps that's happened in the past. Maybe not necessarily him telling him to get out of the way, but. Harry just being like, well, you are the best player in the world. Mm -hmm. What the hell do I know compared to you? Right. Um, this, as a Harry Diamond fan, <laughs> I'm more of a fan of Harry all Diamond right, aren't we all? than I am of Rory, to be honest. But uh, this is good because people won't remember this, but four, almost four years ago when he landed the gig, Rory said, this is going to happen for this year, I believe it was at the PGA Championship at 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 uh, Baltusrol, or maybe at Bell Reve, or you know one of those, whatever the PGA was. Uh, 
he he said this is going to happen for the rest of the year. We we've got like four or five months together, mm-hmm. and then I'll figure out someone else to caddy for me. And he's never made a change since. So clearly, Harry Diamond does something for Rory that he really likes. Whether it's shutting up or speaking up very quietly, whatever. Harry doesn't talk to a whole lot of people. Uh, he plays that role, and it's great to see him get a little more credit for it because I don't think he's ever really gotten credit for it. Well, as a caddy, I think that you know you maybe you don't you deserve generally. <laughs> oh, I mean you, you being a caddy, you kind of understand that you know sometimes it's good to get a little credit just, when you when just you think you've turned bit, in a good loop. Mainly because you don't freaking often know if you're doing the right thing or not. Mm. Sometimes you don't know if you're doing the wrong thing. Sometimes you're just existing <laughs> in the orbit of the player and yeah. you hope that you're doing the right thing and you could be doing the wrong thing and no one really tells you otherwise. So I think it's definitely just it's a it's a, a dark art. It's black <laughs> magic to some extent. There's no one way to do it. And really the ends, you know, the the results justify whatever approach you've taken as a caddy. So I don't know. I think that that's why it's it's such a hard equation to figure out, but clearly what Harry's doing works and Rory, look, this is his life. You know, his life is not just defined by his results. So if it's all the same anyway, yeah, he'd probably rather go through it with his best pal yeah. by his side. Can you imagine a greater endorsement for Pete Cowan? The golf whisperer. Can you, Pete Cowan is one of one of about four golf whisperers right now, and he is, I think, maybe T one on that power ranking currently with Butch Harmon. I don't know if he's T one. Behind you gotta, Butch, still. he's behind Butch. Okay, you got to do it. Some I might have got a little carried away. Yeah, I mean Butch. Butch is going to be the goat. I guess with Pete Cowan, it depends how much credit you want to give him for Brooks Kepka's success the last few years. Um, he's sort of the man like, behind the scenes. Yeah, he's pretty involved with like the second half of Brooks's major wins. Yeah, so that's significant. So Pete Cowan is definitely yeah. No, you're right. That was a little hasty for me to get get all up in in Butch Harmon's kitchen, but Butch is on the way out a little bit of his own choosing. Allegedly, I mean he that guy might that guy might. Yeah, you're right. He's just going to be range. he's going to be whispering in Jordan Spieth's ear for years <laughs> to come. So, I don't know. Anyway, it's interesting to see uh some of these golf whisperers just serve as like consultants. They're not even full-time, oh, I'm going to be there every week swing coaches. Yeah. It's more like, oh, Jordan Spieth is going to swing by Vegas. He's going to see Butch. This week Gary Woodland mentioned that he's consulting with Pete Cowan and Butch Harmon. Double trouble. No wonder his Take career seems to be resurrecting with a, a top five this week. Um, and then Rory even deployed an, an additional Dr. Bob Rotella into the mix, who's just a, a mental whiz. So Rory is, if you count Brad Faxon, Rory is tapping into just about all the gurus. That I you've think got. I think people would consider Brad Faxon the putting guru, a putting guru. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Despite... I think some hastiness of Brad Faxon's own calling earlier in this week, calling Rory a top 10 best male putter of all time. Here's the question though. Was Brad playing chess when the rest of us were playing checkers? And that was him. He thought Rory, Rory you are a good putter. He thought Rory (laughs) needed a boost. And then lo and behold, he goes out and he finishes third. That's what he was trying to do. Third strokes gain putting this week for Rory. That's pretty damn good. 332 feet of maids, of putts made 
which is going to be at least 100 more feet of putts than you are going to typically get on average tour week. But, hey, they went in. You cannot pull them back out. so great for Rory, great for Brad Faxon. I hate that that he got that confirmation because I desperately disagree with it. <laughs> All right, what else you got for me, Sean? Um, well, Gary Woodland bounced back. That was good to see because he was kind of in the depths of his own. We got your boy Abe Answer finishing solo second, which is huge for him, I guess. I mean, he moves up to 19th in the world ranking. That's impressive for a guy that – Hate to bring it up, like the very first thing that we're bringing up, but he Zero. has not won on the PGA Tour. Zero career PGA Tour victories. I believe this was his fourth runner-up finish on tour, um, all since but you know, he, the he playoffs like, in 2019. Yeah, he feels like the kind of guy who's going to be thrilled with finishing second. I think he should be thrilled, but at the same time, once you get to this point, he's probably ready to win. Um, Bryson DeChambeau. Let's Bryson DeChambeau. Him. What did he sneak out a top ten or yep. after all this? Yep. <laughs> Bryson DeChambeau left Charlotte on Friday. He shot seventy four in the second round. Believed he was going to miss the cut. Flew back to Dallas. Realized he made the cut. Flies back to Charlotte early in the morning on Saturday. Shoots sixty eight, sixty eight on the weekend. He finishes in the top ten. He takes over the top spot in the FedEx Cup uh, standings. Mm. Uh, and, you know, probably made a couple hundred grand. Yeah, 250K, he was the second best golfer in the field on the weekend behind only Victor Hovland. Yeah, he tied Rory on the weekend. Um, yeah, that's just a weird thing that God, maybe only happens to Bryson. But uh, Phil Mickelson opens <laughs> the round of seven under on Thursday. Seven under 64, winning by two after 18 holes finishes seven over in the tournament so 14 shots worse according to par finishes solo 69 that is so so nice uh out of phil but really sad like if you saw him earlier in the week and you're like yeah i'm gonna bet on phil to finish in the top 30 there were a lot of half-baked storylines kind of and takes being pumped out after his 64 that i mean by the time he finished out his six, his 75 on Friday, you know, people were half walking them back. And then 76, 76 on the weekend is just, okay. So it's such, it's just a bummer, man. It's like Phil having Phil as a character. Yeah. We're not ready to quit Phil and Phil is not ready to quit no. this PGA tour. It's just, you know, you're talking about Rory and being the New York Knicks where the league is better when, you know, yeah. Duke basketball is good. Phil Mickelson, he is. You want him to still have some bite. You want him to have some cachet on the tour. You want him to be able to bring it. Solo sixty nine, not doing that. I think this might be what we see from Phil for the next two years: the occasional round where he's playing his best golf, and he does this. It could be a Thursday, Friday. It could be a Sunday, where it's like, oh yeah, old man still got it, but he can't do it for. Four rounds, he can't really do it for three rounds. And at best, he's probably going to do it for two rounds. That's probably the fill we see existing on tour. I would love for him to do more than that. He would hate to be reduced to what he did this week. <laughs> but that's just father time Yeah, kind of slapping you in the face and saying, look, dude, 
you don't have you, you don't have this as far as the draw goes. You're gonna get kind of hit by tee times, left and right. Um, I'm really hopeful still that Phil in at certain venues that they're you know that he's got enough magic. I mean, he finished solo second in a tournament last season, so clearly the game is still there. At Pebble? No, at uh the WGC, Memphis, scenic. Oh my gosh, that's right. Maybe FedEx St. Jude. He'll just do really well at events that he's done well at in the past. He putted well this week. That's encouraging. He just, I mean, the iron play went from really good to basically the bottom of the field in, in rounds three and four. Oh. Whether that's focus, like he's been talking about, I don't know, but it's not gonna, it's not gonna get the job done. All right. Well, speaking of Phil and Rory, I think the one storyline that really attaches the two of them is the Premier Golf League, Super Golf League, yada yada Golf League. I can hear in your voice that you might already be over it well i just need an update on it and i need someone to tell me like straight you give me the update what the hell is the reporter you're the investigative i just magazine journalist i have a hard time keeping it all straight because there was you know these whispers from greg norman of what it was supposed to be and then there was the premier golf league we thought we knew what that was and then all of a sudden the super golf league something different and it's backed by saudi but then the Premier Golf League is no longer affiliated with the Saudi money. Rory wants nothing to do with it. Justin Thomas says, I've never really heard of that yet. Yeah. Like, uh, like the most ridiculous lie I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, Dustin Johnson at one point was alleged to have been basically signing in, on, yeah. on, you know, given his soft verbal agreement to be in on it. Mm-hmm. Then his agent says, that's, the, that's the furthest thing from the truth. Ricky Fowler does not say no outwardly. Yeah. He's kind of like, you know, I'm with the PGA Tour now. but Phil's giving his pros and cons list about the whole thing. So, yeah. I mean, that's the update, I guess, is that these guys are being asked about it. It's clearly not dead in the water, but does it have a lot of life? It's kind of hard for this thing to have a ton of life, like, in the middle, the glut of the PGA Tour season, the major championship season. Like, you're not going to get these guys to really think about other golf right now, but they're being asked about it every week, and it feels like some guys are like half flip flopping, and they want to say something, but they clearly won't. Jay I Monahan think... is issuing like mandatory suspension, potential life yeah. ban for guys. Ultimatums, can... really? Yeah. So uh, where it comes down for me is guys don't leave jobs that they really like. Okay, that's a that's a truism for the world. If you're in a really good situation, you're unlikely to bolt for something that is risky. Yeah. If you're not in a good situation and something comes up that sounds like it, you know, could potentially pan out, boom, that could be the perfect time. In this case, the guys on the PGA Tour have it pretty damn good. Yes. They're Do they and, have it like great, great, great? Yeah, well, I think they pretty some, much do. Some of them do. Um, and I think that you could also argue that they are they're living the dream. Some people don't necessarily see it that way. Some guys approach it more as a job, but some guys are really enamored with the fact that they are playing on the PGA Tour. They're chasing down records that people they admire have set. You know, Rory was talking about legacy, winning tournaments, etc. They put a lot of things at risk or in limbo 
by jumping into this Super League thing. Yeah. But my biggest question now with this additional reporting, some of which came from from our Josh Sen, some of it came from our former colleague Alan Shipnick, if you take the Saudi money thing out of the Premier Golf League, if it's just a bunch of investors that have no obvious, you know, moral ethical quandaries, how does that change the equation and does it change the equation that much? Yeah, I I'm personally just dreaming about a Premier Golf League that can exist alongside the PGA Tour's schedule. Now, that still might be a pipe dream of all pipe dreams because Jay Monahan wants to have his 40 plus tour events every single year mm-hmm. and he wants them to turn over between August and September and run September, October into November. Right. Everyone can have their December off. That doesn't leave a whole lot of space. Yeah. Unless for... you're playing the QB shootout or the hero world challenge, of course, of course. Or if you're traveling to Hawaii to get ready for the tournament of champions. Yeah. Or, you know, just living your life. But here's the problem, Sean. All right, tell me five of the biggest events on the calendar. The Masters, the U.S. Open, the Open Championship, the PGA Championship, the Ryder Cup. Which ones Which ones of those does the PGA Tour run? Because I have a hard time keeping this straight. None. None of them. Zero. You're telling me five of, you know, arguably the six biggest events, if you want to throw the players up against the Ryder Cup or something. No, the five biggest events. Yeah. The Tour doesn't have any of them. Nope, and that, so that's definitely you're an potentially important. Give up more. That's an important distinction. You throw in these matches that are seem to be getting attention. If Phil is going to keep doing those, I mean, the PGA Tour is just seeding more and more ground. It seems like Jay yeah. is drawing a line in the sand right now. Yeah. Well, his his poster boy is Rory, the winner this week. What I was really annoyed to hear though is Rory gets asked about it again, and he's he's quite eloquent. And he says, I honestly don't think there's a better structure in place in golf, and I don't think there will be. I'm very much against it. I don't see why anyone would be for it. This is about as blatant as Justin Thomas was, mainly because you can see why (laughs) there is better structure out there to be had than the PGA Tour. That can exist. There can be this team's format that seems like a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah. And, uh, you know, team leader format. Like, Rory, you can envision a better structure in which you're getting paid more money or you're deriving more market value that is fair to what you bring to the PGA Tour. You can. So don't lie to us and tell us this is the perfect way he of doing things. He has even said that, that, you know, essentially the top guys are being yes. underpaid. So and that the PIP program, he is, you know, in approval of that. Yeah. And so when he says, I don't understand why anyone would be for it. Team golf sounds You're lying. No doubt about it. I mean, when you think about, I'm trying to think if there's a a perfect analog, maybe there's not. Tennis has only sort of made the team thing work. But imagine if teams were drafting golfers, uh, you know, when they turned pro. That would be fun. Or every year if there was, you know, essentially a fantasy golf draft, but for real life. Yeah. That would be a blast, and that's sort of what we're talking about here. If we could have some sort of regional loyalties, there's different things that you could imagine in you know in a vacuum that would be really fun to root for. So I don't think that necessarily the PGA Tour's strategy of 72 hole stroke play every week of the year, or you know 49 times a year, whatever it is, yeah, that's not necessarily optimized. But I just get annoyed when Rory like 
it feels has like to he's play being this the, role. the mouthpiece of the PGA Tour. But I bet he feels he needs to be. You know, he's on the tour advisory board now. He's chairman, I think, of it or whatever. He's overseeing it. He has to play this role now. All right. So you're annoyed, but you get it. I'm annoyed. I appreciate that he is willing to come out and just say, it's just a money grab. Yeah. Well, that's true. And look, if, if, if that's what motivates guys, more power to them. But, uh, it is a money grab. I mean, yeah. There's no question. All right. Well, let's move forward. That was about 32 minutes of PGA Tour golf. The LPGA Tour, Aria Jatanagarn wins in Thailand. She is bawling her eyes out on the 18th green after winning. Um, Can you please tell me a little why she was so overcome with emotion? This was a big one. It had been, again, almost three years. This was much more on that timeline of, of Jordan Spieth, Hideki Matsuyama, Lydia Ko. Yeah, those are le- those are legit drop-offs. Where it's been a while. Not and, of course, months. she was a former world number one. She had a dominant stretch. Um, but it wasn't just that. This was also winning in her native Thailand. Mm-hmm. And it was also eight years after she had almost won this same exact tournament. She came to the 18th hole with a two-stroke lead. She made an eight, a triple bogey eight on the final hole, including uh, missing a three-footer. So she lost that tournament by one. That was when she was 17. I think she's, yeah, so she's just 25 somehow now. Oh, yeah. The LPGA, ages on the LPGA, because they're different. The players there are, they're they're like six or seven years ahead of their PGA Tour counterparts. So it can, you know, you kind of have to like do a double take. At a slower rate, right? They, I'm not sure they ever do. If you're <laughs> PGA Tour players, um, but really a cool scene for Aria. It was almost like an awkward celebration oh, because she so was awkward. so emotional that the whole like water bottle uh, dousing of the winner, yeah, which I think we could improve on. To be honest, I think that there's ways to sure. Your Mel Reed, who you've worked out with. Um, she and her friends did it right when she yes. won last year. I think she got, you know, fined actually for, for how <laughs> aggressive her celebration was. But I mean, a really cool moment on the LPGA tour. Um, I think Aria even said that she she didn't she didn't say, "Oh, I was going to quit," but she said she wanted to quit. Essentially, Yikes. she was so low, she was so down on her game and and just not feeling confident not not able to commit to shots yeah you know um, what you know what i think is interesting yeah pj tour players of that level she's a major winner she was former number 1 mhm i feel like a lot of them talk about you know i, I was close to quitting yeah <laughs> i don't think any of them ever actually do i think i think of who has walked away well, just like I feel like, you know, if someone of Keegan Bradley's level, like go through these slumps or someone of, you know, who's 70th to 100th on the PJ Tour, they go through a slump like, oh, you know, I was just thinking about quitting. Yeah. I feel like we've heard that diatribe yeah. before, but none of them ever quit. John Peterson. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, people quit when they are. Uh... You know, so, imagine if someone took away 80% of your salary every single year. Sure. And then the fourth year, you're like, you know what? I'm going to show these guys I'm quitting. People quit in that sense. But no, you're right. And this kind of gets back to what I was saying about the Premier Golf League. Like, 
playing pro golf is a pretty good gig. So yeah. if you can do it, you're going to keep doing it, even if it's not quite the version of the job that you signed up for or dreamt of. Yeah. Let's move on to the Walker Cup. Before- That's a great question, though. If, if our listeners can think of people that yeah, are just please. stepped away to become lawyers besides Bobby or just, Jones. Or just like lived up to what they talked about. It's always in like the victory press conference. Like I was thinking about quitting, but I didn't. Well, that's the other thing. Then does a victory really change everything instantly? I mean, clearly, yes, it yeah. does. But a lot of job security. Um, the Walker Cup was easily the weirdest tour or the weirdest golf event this week. I think I don't yeah. know if anything could compare with it. Basically, from what I gather, I wasn't paying that close of attention because I had a lot going on this weekend. But there was some stomach bug. Yes. That ravaged the entire Walker Cup. I don't want to like <laughs> point fingers here and this this feels like it's getting into high powered territory, oh, but God. the stomach bug thing feels like are we potentially covering up for the, the food at Seminole Golf Club? No, just no running See, ragged through this team. What I read was that initially they thought it was the food at food poisoning or some covid variant right sure both of which were proven to not be true and in fact it was a stomach bug so screw your skepticism doctor like giving that ruling or what anyways we had you know they have like when tiger woods wasn't sure if he's gonna play the pga championship and like Mm -hmm. they had like the tiger parking spot watch yeah yeah we had like gastrointestinal strafachi watch strafachi watch where the guy was like strawachi wasn't really sure if he could like practice to actually play a full 18 hole i watched the finale today several days later he got out of a bunker gingerly (laughs) i mean like oh i mean if i'm sure if anyone is listening i mean sorry that we've gotten to this point yeah gutsy win for the americans like it, you've probably been there on a golf course where things were not going swell with your uh any good weekend i mean you gotta have some question of <laughs> yeah things are, things are just kind of getting weird <laughs> and i feel bad for them uh just bizarre bizarre story it eventually was a great walker cup it was i mean i think a team golf is a blast uh b just you know country v country team golf is a blast Hard golf also, courses all these, are like, really fun. Seminole all these European kids we don't know. Oh, never my gosh. Heard of. Angus Flanagan, my new king. <laughs> like, what better name could you have? There's dudes wearing bucket hats. Yeah. I mean, the uh, yeah, the whole Great Britain-Ireland vibe is aspirational. For sure. I think they could use some help from the rest of Europe, probably, to, to make these things a little more competitive. Sure. That's, that's probably true. Why would the Ryder Cup be all of Europe and the Walker yeah, Cup not probably be? Probably some weird tradition. Kind of a but mismatch. Cole Hammer, uh, who's kind of been an amateur like in the limelight for like eight years now. Yeah. Uh, he his match retained the cup, and then your boy Stuart Hagestad clinches it, uh, winning the fourteenth point. Any thoughts from you on that? Uh, being the way things went down. Cole Hammer has one of the more powerful names in all <laughs> of sure. golf. He, uh, he, man, he absolutely hammered a potential tying putt in his morning match, which should should not go unnoticed. It was like a, I don't, I can't remember how. If it was, if it was a 
10 foot putt. He hit it 20 feet. I Ooh, mean, uphill. Love that firm. <laughs> Uh, Stuart Hagestad continues to not turn pro <laughs> as, as a, a far inferior golfer who did turn pro. I would appreciate it if he took his talents to the big show. Um, it doesn't sound Stuart, like that's going to happen. I'm sure Stuart's listening. Big drop zone fan. Uh, Stuart, if you're listening, I would love to see you at Q school this year. Let's see it. Let's see it happen. <laughs> it's a challenge to you. A lot of talk about him being a, do you, you think know, he hears it? A lot of talk about him balancing, you know, work and life. I I think this dude's playing a lot of golf. And hey, you're more playing, power you're to You're playing him. a lot of golf. I'm going to play golf tomorrow. I played some golf today. I'm I am certainly not complaining about my station. Am I jealous of Stuart Hagestad's ability? Yes, maybe even more jealous of Cole Hammer's ability. I'm I'm jealous of Hagestad's ability to control the narrative. How, of Hagestad's ability? Yeah. For sure. I think that people think <laughs> he is uh, a bank teller. I think people picture him. If you walk into TD bank, you need some assistance because you can't remember your account number, but you have to deposit a check. You can go see your man, Stu. You got to get your Been interning for six years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You and the wife decided to finally merge accounts. Stu Hagestad's your guy. I don't think that's I don't think that's the reality, but I think that's the way it's conveyed on television. In reality, I apologize to Stuart Hagestad if he's listening. Uh, congratulations on another Walker Cup victory. He hit a filthy bunker shot yeah, to kind of clinch things. Nasty. That was a lengthy, splashy bunker shot. Seminole. Uh, pretty amazing place. We knew it to be that. I was... I was kind of sad that they had to host the TaylorMade driving relief thing last year because that mm. showed us Seminole. Um, it would have been sweet for us to just see it this week mm-hmm. in a kind of very pure amateur golf setting. That's true. But because I don't think they were quite ready for that one. They had some sweet overhead shots. Yeah. But the actual in-game coverage was yeah. a lot more that's, on the ground. That's true. And you don't quite get that same. Because I remember, you know, looking forward to seeing, oh, what does this place look like? How does it present? Mm-hmm. And it was only when you were getting those mega overhead aerials that it was cool, but the in-game play was not as good because it was, you know, COVID wildness. So on the topic of Seminole, one last thing we need to discuss is something that friend of golf.com, Steve Scott, mm-hmm. the Steve Scott. Friend of Tiger Woods. Uh, he tweeted out, this evening, the most ironic thing about the Walker Cup finishing after 7 p.m. is that the members never get the chance to play this late at Seminole. Doors close at 6 p.m. sharp, no matter if you're a titan of industry or a major champion. So it sounds like Seminole Golf Club has a preposterous 6 p.m. curfew. Yeah. That's wild. That's appalling. It's offensive. <laughs> And I want to be clear because I I sent out a tweet and then I was getting some blowback of, oh, what, you don't want the pro shop guys to be able to go home? No, I want those guys to be able to go home. But if you're telling me that Seminole, which is an old, very walkable golf course, if you're telling me that you're not going to let guys go out and play a twilight round of golf. 6 p.m. is so early. (laughs) 6 p.m. is so early. This is a Florida problem. More generally, I mean, we've run into this because we'll go to Florida, we'll have these photo shoots, we'll want to sneak in an emergency nine, you know, a twilight round right after 
we we finish up work for the day you can't do it these play it'll be you know spring or fall and it'll be 4 45 and they're like oh, we don't really want to send you guys out yeah like at a certain point you got to still let the let the boys play yeah so i sunset golf is a great joy of being involved with golf in yeah. my eyes yeah it's better than sunrise golf so i think there's some history here that they're you know i was reading there's a tradition that the members uh wives wanted them to be home before dinner or something the whole thing even saying that out loud <laughs> sounds so antiquated that i sort of want to take it back but i think that's maybe the history of this um bottom line people need to be playing more sunset golf and I not play, less yeah there's the palm beach par three very close to seminole uh one of my favorite courses i've played in the past year some people would even call it seminole south mm. kind of similar setting with some of the holes at least along the ocean sure i played that until eight forty-five p.m nice. months ago nice Granted, we were like pitch dark, and I made an epic birdie on the finisher. But the point is, you just wanted to slide that in. Multiple hours after 6 p.m., multiple months ago with less time on my hands. Multiple amounts of fun had by all. Um, All right, let's close the podcast by you explaining where we are right now. We are at the Inn at Gamble Sands. We, Sean finished up work this afternoon on my balcony looking out at the setting sun uh sitting on some adirondack chairs watching the putting course why are we here we're here to qualify for the u.s open local qualifying we're here to burn tory pines to the ground (laughs) well yeah and first we must take down a couple different courses before we get to (laughs) Tory. a couple steps (laughs) but between local qualifying at gamble sands um you're going to play monday at 10 10 yeah i mean some people We'll listen to this after I've already finished up playing. Yeah, so let's let's give the people our prediction. <sighs> Man, I like to here's these are the two competing things. I really like to downplay so that I manage expectations for people, but I'm also trying to take more of like an alpha mentality, positive thoughts. Yep. I think I am going to say I'm gonna shoot one under par seventy. And that gets through tomorrow. And that plays off. I get through in a playoff because Harry Diamond style, my caddy, (laughs) steps in in the right moment and says, look, you got a little adrenaline pumping. Normally you you hit your (laughs) eight iron like a coward. But in this case, I think you can actually hit it. And then boom. Love that for us. (laughs) Love that for us. Can I, I let me just vocalize while we're at it, while we're speaking things into existence. These are my swing thoughts for tomorrow. Try to hit a slice because that means you'll hit a little draw instead of a hook. Does this sound like the the thought process of a, a healthy golfer? And the other one, while I'm putting, this is my big swing thought while I'm putting. Don't look up. Watch the ball while you putt it. I that's, love that. That's been a big issue. Those so we're keeping feels. things simple. All right. Well, that's enough. Uh, if anyone is still listening, we would appreciate if you followed us tomorrow yeah. uh, as we take on Gamble Sands. And hopefully Joey from Presidio is still listening because we just played a couple rounds of golf out in the San Francisco Bay Area and Joey was I guess the you'd call him an outside staff starter he was kind of the greeted us there a fan of the drop zone 
in the wild. Uh, shout out to Joey for all of his help at Presidio. That's good enough for us this week. Hopefully next week we can talk about getting wild here at Gamble Sands mm. after a 70 uh, and qualifying for sectionals. See you then.